All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Big Dog Random Show with your host, Big Dog and Little T. Say hi, baby. Yes, hello. <laughs> um, we got Maui Mike. We got him. Uh, what are you in San Antonio? Yes, sir, brother. I'm in I'm in San Antonio, Texas, man. All right. So, uh, what do you got going on out there? Uh, well, mostly what I do here, man. What I've been doing for the last probably about ten years is is uh, food trucking. So, um, I own and operate right now about three food trucks. Uh, I got three food trucks that are operational, and I've got uh, a lot of projects going at the same time. Um, so, it, it, it's kind of one of those things, man. Like. Um, when you get into like with me the food truck and it it, it kind of takes in a whole bunch of other things so like I also do we also do catering we also do um, you know like festivals we do events um, um, and then we do just by like connection of knowing people up in the food truck business I will also go and do like repairs and maintenance on other people's food trucks I've got a I've got a business partner that owns a, a food truck and trailer uh, um, uh, building where he builds he actually builds them from scratch to uh, to spec for people. Oh and wow! I go help out with that. So I'm 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 pretty busy, man, with a lot of stuff going on. And um, basically, I just kind of focus on you know the hustle. That's it, man. Yeah, that's what it's all about, man. You gotta you gotta grind. Or you ain't gonna eat. That's it, man. Because, uh, you know, I, I was doing it. I was food trucking part time on weekends and evenings because I worked for a company until about 2020, right around the time that uh, the pandemic shut all the restaurants down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they shut us down. They kind of didn't. We were all kind of in limbo. I don't know if you remember that time where everybody was kind of like on furlough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, the, like they didn't. They weren't paying nobody. Nobody was moving. There was no money. Yeah, everything was shut down, man. And it was a crazy time. The thing was, is like because all the restaurants shut down, I turned around and started going full force with the food trucks. And because all the restaurants were closed the food trucks we blew up man you know what i mean yeah that's right um it, we have a lot of them out here in houston and people were messaging where you're at you know trying to trying exactly, to get some food yeah. so so a lot of the a lot like basically what i call our bread and butter customers is working class you know blue collar guys so we we would post up at like home depots or uh, areas where the, we knew there was a lot of construction and and those guys never shut down during the pandemic because they were considered what like essential you know yes sir and so those guys were working every day and they still had to eat you know so we were out there hustling and i mean blowing up man so it was kind of a blessing in disguise for us because it was weird on one hand because everything shut down and a lot of people were suffering mm. but at the same time it was like it was like a weird little blessing in disguise for us where it just you know all of a sudden it just our business just blew up you know what i mean yeah it was kind of like a shake-up everything that uh the whole normal 
world just changed. It did, it did. And you know what the crazy thing was is that when the restaurants started opening back up, the 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 dynamic had changed. So before all all of the kind of like the power was in the in these big corporation and, and big companies' hands, right? So people people were basically fighting over spots and, you know, trying to outcompete each other and you really had to hustle, you know, to, to get ahead like kind of in the corporate world or anything basically. You know what I mean? Yeah. You had to be better than the next guy. And then after the pandemic all of a sudden I mean, and it's still happening to this day, you know, all these companies are shorthanded. Nobody wanted to go back to work for these places. Everybody kind of found their own different hustle, you know. Mm -hmm. A lot of people didn't want to wait around for these companies to say, hey, we're ready for you guys to come back. So, you know, they had to keep, I mean, the bills didn't stop, you know what I mean? So they, I, they had to keep going. I think... And then because of that, a lot of people figured out new hustles. So when it came time for a lot of these companies to want them back, a lot of these people were like, hey, I'm doing great. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm, I'm making it. I'm my you know? own boss so, now. So, yeah, they, a lot of people just didn't go back. So now, and, and you still hear it from these companies, they're like, they're chronically shorthanded. You know what I mean? Most of them. A lot of them. Yeah. I mean, you still see that now when you go to places that says help wanted, help wanted. Yeah, and they're and you know what? Because they're still they're still sticking to the way that they used to do things pre pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. They they wanna pay people a, a terrible, you know, wage and they want a whole bunch of work out of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that changed after the pandemic. Now it's like the power is in is in the workers' hands. Okay. You know what I mean? It's it, the the I mean, because you look at Shoot, you even look at McDonald's and these little fast food, you know, fast food places like that. They're hiring kids with no experience for like 16, 17, 18 bucks an hour. Back when we were 20 years old, that was that was unheard of, man. Yep. That did not happen. Nope. You know what I mean? Our minimum wage was what, like four or five bucks? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Work all week <laughs> and get like $200. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, now, now the kids now, I mean, they'll, they'll look at you crazy. If you tell them I can pay you 200 bucks a day, they're like, yeah, no, I can go make more money over here. You yeah. Know, they can go make more money frying fries for McDonald's. You know what I mean? Right. Because all these companies realized they, they had to change, they had to change the game to keep operating. That that's what happened. Right. The, the whole game has changed and, and people don't want to play the old ways no more. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So, I mean, like with us, um, so with us on each food truck that we operate, we really do make the the guys that work. See, I, I don't tell the, none of the guys that work with me. I don't say, hey, you work for me. I say, you guys are working with me. You guys aren't employees. You're your coworkers. You know what I mean? And 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 the way that I reinforce that is, is they get they get paid well and on top of that when we have really good weeks or really good months they get they get money out of that out of that profit margin you know what i mean because they're the ones they're hustling and doing the work every day right so so they're the amount of work they put in directly you know affects their bottom line so when they hustle they they see that return you know mm -hmm. what i mean so I don't, I don't, you know, they're not, they're not, they're being treated like, 
like you would a partner almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I really do believe that's the way that companies in the future that we're going to have to go um, in order to keep good employees long term. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You, you got you to make them partners in your business because before all these companies, like even the one I worked with, the, their whole mentality was they want you to buy into the company as if as if you're an owner. Like they want you to be take responsibility, take ownership. That's a big one, right? You hear that a lot with companies. They're like, we want our people to to, to take ownership of their of their place in our company, so that when they're serving our customers or whatever they're doing, it's like we're serving the customers. The problem is they weren't paying them like owners. They're paying them like you know like peasants. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, nobody's going to break their back if you're not taking care of them, yeah. right? It gives you initiative to work harder when you're getting the rewards. Yeah, they, yeah I mean, and it's not like you're, you're, you're just giving in to, to, to them, but it's like they, they have to see something coming back to them for the work they're putting in, and, and their output their output is was going to stay good or get better. You know what I mean? That's just the way it goes. Yeah. I kind of looked at it like, well, you know, when I was working for companies, how would I, what would I expect? You know, I sit there and say to myself, man, how could this company be better? You know, how could they really, really, you know, entice me into wanting to stay and do more for them? So when I, when I started, you know, going full time with the business, you know, the food trucks, that's, that's exactly how I approached it. You know, I wanted to see, I wanted to do the things that I had thought about before when I was working for other companies and so far it's been working you know every, I, I haven't lost anybody yet wow <laughs> these guys want to work and keep working yeah they're getting the the reward from exactly yes sir so let me ask you how did you get involved in uh cryptids oh with the cryptids well um let's see I, I think it's kind of like what everybody, I mean, my first one was Bigfoot, right? Sasquatch. Um, and it, it started with like, a, you hear a lot of people talk about this, right? They say, you know, they first saw the, the Patterson Gimlin film mm -hmm. and, um, you know, on In Search Of, I think it was like the first show that actually showed it. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. With I... Leonard Nimoy. And I, I saw that as a kid and I remember you know, I was always into nature and, you know, I love like, you remember the show Wild Kingdom? Yes. Oh, that was my show, bro. That was, that was, that was it right there. Wild Kingdom and In Search Of. Um, they didn't have X-Files back then, but I would have been into it as well. You know, stuff like that. I just, it just always interested me. Um, so when I saw that, you know, for the first time, it, it blew my mind. I was like, like oh that that's that's real you know what I mean like, like to me when I saw it as I saw it I was like that there's no way that's fake so you know when I don't know you remember afterwards and all these guys were coming out talking about how how they had faked it and they had a suit and I was like that there ain't no damn way that was a fake suit bro you know what I mean yeah it, it, it was just just the movement I mean just like beating the dead horse but I know you know I mean there's been so much analysis on that on that you know clip yeah. of them doing it but that's basically what got me into it and then you know from there i started you know checking out books in the library and just because there was no internet back then um and just kind of like reading everything i could about it you know which was not a lot back then 
but um, whatever I could, I would look into it. And there was actually some stories back in like the 70s and 80s here in San Antonio of, uh, I don't know if you remember, and it went all the way down to the valley, I want to say, where people were sighting these, these big like birds that were attacking people or just flying overhead and people were seeing them. I don't know, you remember that? Yeah, the Thunderbirds, they were, they were calling them Thunderbirds because of the... Yeah, yeah, and and it was crazy because, you know, a lot of people at the time, were, were what they were describing, you know, they were like describing basically like a pterodactyl or something, you know? Yeah, or something with and, and, like skin instead of feathers. Yeah, and, and, and so that was happening as when I was a kid. I remember that people talking about it like... Oh, so and so over here. They said they saw it. It looked like a like a lizard with wings, like leather, you know. Mm-hmm. So that that was, you know, that was, you know, also a thing. And you know, a lot of these stories that I was hearing at the time, like with those, like you know, in that particular situation, I was able to research finally when the internet come around, and I, you know, the internet happened, and you know, then all of a sudden you had access to all this information. So then that really, you know, set me off with, you know, looking into all these, all these things that were going off. And then, um, and what was awesome about the internet is that now all of a sudden you get to connect with all these other people that, that have been researching and, and, you know, looking into this stuff for all the years. And now they're putting all their information like the, what is it, the BFRO that, you know, they post all their uh, sightings and encounters or whatnot. There's a bunch of them. I don't know how many, but I know there's a lot of them. But I pretty much read through, like, a lot of the encounters, and that's what actually got me. And that's kind of where I met you, I want to say, because we met up at that Jefferson Bigfoot conference one year, right, wasn't it? Yes, sir, I remember that. Yeah, it was me and my son, and that weekend that we had gone up there to to the conference, we actually had gone to Stubblefield because we would go out there, and I haven't been able to here in a couple of years because of the business, but um, we liked to go camping at least once a year, like maybe around October, November, in in the Stubblefield area because there's a lot of reports that came out of that area. Yes, sir. And so that year that we went to that Bigfoot conference, we had actually driven to Stubblefield, set up camp, Spent spent a few nights and then we drove up to the to the conference, and I remember talking to you, and you know you got you guys were asking you know like where are y'all from? I said well we're from San Antonio, but we're actually we just got out of uh, Stubblefield. We were camping out there, and I remember you saying what? Yeah. <laughs> and and then you told me that that's where you had had your encounter, and I was like oh man I gotta hear this. So I mean. That's that's that was the whole reason I wanted to go to that conference because I wanted to meet people that had actually had, you know, encounters or or uh, or witnessed something. So when you told us your story, man, I was like, you know, goosebumps. And I remember you telling me, I, I told you, yeah, we're headed back down there. We're going to spend a couple of more days down there. And you looked at me and you said, you said you should not take your little boy over there, man. <laughs> yeah, it can get it can get squirrely. You said, you said, yeah, you shouldn't be down there, man, with your little boy. And I was like, yeah, I was like, is it just you two? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, ooh, (laughs) yeah, that's a, that's a little sketchy. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, there was, there was actually the last, I want to say, it's probably been about two years ago that we went last, maybe, maybe two or three. It's probably been longer. Shoot. I don't know. But uh, we had something 
this time we had gone down there with about five of us, right? And it was me and my son and about three buddies. We all went down and um, um, we set up camp for the night or whatever. The first night we got there and uh, that first night that we were there, we actually had something walking around our tent all night long. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, and it would come it would come close and then we would get up. I mean, it was it was it was how can I say? It was weird feeling enough. It gave us like a creepy sense enough that my son was like that and I was like, "Are you good, buddy?" and he was like, "Uh, I said, "Well, here, look, let's go sit in the truck, man." So he wanted to get in the truck and lock the doors and you know what I mean? He he didn't want to sleep in the tent because it it kind of was freaking him out. Um, but me, you know, I was like really, really super curious at the time. Um, and I, I remember we had already all, we had sat out there, built a fire, had dinner. And then this was when we were all shutting down for the night. It's probably about maybe 10, 10 30. And, you know, we had planned on getting up early and going hiking and looking at some stuff. We're right there at Stubblefield. And, um, whenever uh we did that is when i start when i heard it coming through into the woods like something walking well you know we've been camping all over man so i'm kind of used to hearing animals you know what i mean in the, in the night you know how it is you start hearing stuff coming alive and like waking up or whatever it's doing out there mm -hmm. so so i called out a few times now nine times out of ten whenever i do that you you hear something take off if it's a deer or a hog or, or whatever it is if it hears a person's voice, it usually takes off the other way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, this thing didn't. That That's what stuck in my head. It, it stopped. When it heard my voice, it just stopped where it was. And it was, you've been to Stubblefield, so you know how thick the underbrush is there. Right. So, you, man, you really can't see past 10 yards or probably even less. You know what I mean? Especially it, at night. Real, yeah, at nighttime, it's like you can't see nothing out there, dude. Mm -hmm. um, so it would just stop, but it was like staying just beyond where we could see, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Like we would have all our flashlights, and you could hear where it was, kind of place it, right? But you just couldn't see it. Like we could hear where it was, we just couldn't see it. And when we would flash our lights, we would hear it walk away from us, right? Mm -hmm. And... Well, we turned the lights off, and by that time it was all it was it was all of us except for my son out there. We turned the lights off and get real low and stay quiet, and then you could hear it after a while start walking towards us on two legs, yeah. And and one of my buddies goes, he says he says, hey, I bet you it's just somebody messing with us, man. It's somebody out here messing with us. The thing is, is when we first got to the camp, the um. What, what do they call the guys that, that they kind of watch over the camps? They just kinda, Park ranger? They, they, no, it wasn't a park ranger. It's the guys that are parked up front, at the very front. And it's not a park ranger. It's kind of like a... It, it, it kind of just looks over looks over people. He, he's, he's, like, he's a regular old dude. I've seen him there a bunch of times. But it's kind of like... A, oh, I don't know what the word is for. Yeah, they or, just keep... You know, keep track kinda of the... Like, yeah, he just kind of like keeps an eye out on people, but he's not really a park ranger, really affiliated. But they're like a they, groundskeeper or someone, maybe. Kind of like that, man. There's a word for it, man. But I'm yeah, like a like a I, I don't even remember what it is. But there's a word for it. Anyways, there was a, it, it, it was an old dude, man. That 
he actually recognized us when we pulled in. Um, I, we stopped kind of as a courtesy because I saw him out there, and he waved, and he walked over, and he says, oh, okay, y'all. He says, hey, I remember you guys. He says, y'all were out here last year. I said, yes, sir. And he said, okay. And he said, well, um, be careful out here. Just make sure uh, if you're out hiking or, you know, doing stuff in the woods, try, try not to do anything at night. And in the daytime, uh, be vocal and, you know, make noise and kind of let people around you know where you are. He said, because they're having a, uh, uh, there was a, a tournament going on, a hunting tournament. And he said, there's a bunch of 13, 14, 15 year old kids out here with rifles. So make sure you let people know you're there. And, and I told these guys, that's, that's what I remembered when these guys were saying, I bet it's somebody messing with us. I said, I said, man, I'm telling you something out here, nobody messes with, with anybody's camp at night like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I said, you know, all these guys are armed. Everybody's armed. Mm -hmm. So that's not something that you, you know, even think about, right? Because that, that's, that's an easy way to get shot uh, <laughs> over yeah, here. Yeah. I said, in East Texas, you're going to get shot if you go, you know, pranking or playing with some people you don't know. You, you just don't do that. And, and that kind of made them think. They're like, oh, yeah, you're right. And I said, yeah, this is something else, man. People, people don't do this out here. So, you know, it, it happened. It kept happening. We just sat and listened. And, you know, we never got a feeling of aggression or nothing. It just it felt more like whatever it was was, like, really curious. You know what I mean? Right. And not, not aggressive at all. But, you know, in the end, I went in. I got in the truck. We stayed out there probably about an hour listening to it. And then it got kind of boring. I was like, well, this thing's not going to come out. Maybe it will if we just, like, you know stop you know what i mean so mm -hmm. i i jumped in the truck with my son and kind of stayed up watching and eventually you know passed out myself but um the next morning we got up and and i go to start the fire and the the uh, these other these two buddies of mine that were sharing a camp they they walk over looking crazy as hell man you know hair all wild looked like they hadn't slept all night <laughs> and i looked yeah and i looked at him i said what's up man and he was like it was like, dude, I'm never coming out here again. Whatever the hell that thing was, it was all around. It followed us back to our camp after we left your your camp, followed us back over there, and it was doing the same thing, only it was coming closer and closer and closer. And they said, and and eventually it, it touched the tent. Like, it yeah. ran its hand over the tent or ran, you know, like, scraped their tent. And they said, we didn't sleep all night, man. We were up freaking out the whole freaking night. <laughs> yep, and that's why I cannot sleep in tents to this day. Because of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they both they both looked at me and said, they said, you come out here every year? I said, yeah. And they said, what's wrong with you? I said, not wrong with me. I'm just curious about it. You know, I want to I, I wanna learn. I want to learn more and see see what's up with it, you know. Uh, um also i feel like there's there's i feel like there's some sort of i don't know if if this makes sense but um i feel like there's some sort of native american connection to it you know what i'm saying so like on my mother's side we had some comanche you know and of course on my father's we were uh samoan polynesian um but I just, there's this vibe I get, I don't know how to explain it, that just feels like 
there's there's something there's a connection between the you know native tribes and 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 these and these things you know what i mean whatever they are uh-huh. i feel like i feel like the natives have have a knowledge of them and they have a knowledge or or an understanding more with natives than they do with other you know ethnicities i don't know if you've ever heard that before yeah i've i i know that uh, a lot of tribes will just say leave them alone uh, some believe that they're bad omens you know it's everybody has a different take on it um but you know even my uh wife says you know she basically says just to leave them alone let them be don't yeah bo- don't like, bother. like just a, a respectful thing right just kind of give them their space right right i mean how would you feel if somebody just saw you and just started chasing after you you know yeah 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 that's true I mean, yeah, that's true because I mean, you got to look at it like there's there's obviously something there, man. Because um, and, and they have they have an understanding that's either on our level or above our level because we, number one because we haven't found one. Not like nobody's. I mean, they know they're there, but they haven't. You know what I mean? So I just feel like they have an understanding of of what we are who we are as, as people and, you know, cultures and groups. So, I mean, there's a reason I feel like they keep their distance, you know? Um, and, and who knows? I mean, I joked with my buddy. I said, they probably don't want to get near us because they, they know we carry disease, you know, and now there's a pandemic thing going on and, and they don't know, you know what I'm saying? What, what, what if they, you know, catch something from us or, because I remember reading or hearing stories about during the small, uh, smallpox epidemics back in the old days, mm-hmm. where where uh, certain tribes would talk about like like Sasquatch would bring in you know other sick Sasquatch to their to their healers and be like you know hey what's what's wrong with him can you help us and you know the the natives would look at them and be like hey we're we're all sick too you know what I mean yeah um, so I just think there's like you know, I mean, it, it depends on how how much you put into those stories, but there's definitely something there that we don't know about. But it does make sense, even if it wasn't on that level. It's it's just a big animal, and you want to be respectful of that, like you would with a bear or any other big animal. You know, right? You don't want to be poking at it and bothering it. And... <laughs> yeah, because I mean, yeah, you don't necessarily want to get its attention because that might not be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. You. That's why, you know, they'd say, just leave it alone. Yeah. And uh, so when you go camping, do you do, like, invest? are you doing investigations? Are you just waiting for a sighting, or how how do you go about it? No, you mean, like, do we go out and start, like, knocking on trees and crap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, dude. I I, I specifically, man, I I tell my kid, I've told my son, and, the people that I've taken with us before on different, you know, on different times to tell them don't do any of this crap, man, because we, you have no clue what, what that even means or what it is. You know, you, you're going to hear stories like, I don't know if you listen to Sasquatch Chronicles. Of course I do. Yeah. It's a great show, man. So, you know, he, he, he comes across a lot of people that, that do different things like that. You know, not always, you know, a lot of people, you know, they understand whatever, but I, we have never gone out with that intention in mind. You know what I mean? Like trying to rile them up or, you know what I mean? Cause t- to me, I feel like they, they know the difference. 
you know, if there's some way that they communicate, it's kind of like somebody coming up to you and trying to speak, you know, in your field of expertise. Like you do, you do, uh, you did a lot of stereo system and like wiring and stuff like that, right? In, in vehicles. Yeah. Okay. It'd be like somebody not knowing anything about that coming up to you and trying to break it down for you. you you're going to know immediately they're full of crap. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. And I, I feel like that's the, that's the analogy. It's like people that go out there and start doing these things, if, if, if there are Sasquatch within your shot, they're sitting there going like, really? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> really? Like, really? So I feel like, you know, you, you're trying to, if they're trying to communicate or do something on, on, in a way that they feel is going to trick them, then I feel like that's just silly, man. Yeah. Um, they're way ahead of if, us. Yeah. If, if, if if they're meant to if they're if they want to interact with you or or um or or let themselves be seen or or whatever or let you see them it's going to happen you know what i mean if they're out there then they're going to let you know i feel so mostly we go out there man and just so that's not our primary function i mean i go out there with with the hopes of having you know a sighting or an encounter or something you know but non-aggressive, you know what I mean? So we don't go out there with that intent. You know, we go out there to fish and hike and enjoy it. But at the same time, you know, we're always looking out for that possibility or that potential. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, I have heard uh, one of the times that we went, one of the first times that we went, I guess I woke up about maybe 3 o'clock in the morning. Something got me up, and it was, it was weird because it was a bunch of birds squawking and, and, and making a lot of noise, which I thought was weird. I said, well, maybe something got a hold of one or something, right? Did they, but, did they sound like crows? Yeah, kind of, yeah. They were, they were like really, really making crazy sounds. But it was way off into the distance, but it was, you know, it was in the dead of the night. So you know how the sound carries crazy out there in the woods, right? Right. Um, so... It, it was, I mean, I couldn't give you an estimate of how far it was, but it, it wasn't close to us, you know, for sure. Um, but it, it was enough to wake me up like, what is that sound? And right when I got up, I heard a howl, like the craziest freaking howl, dude. And it was so loud. And I, I knew that it was far, but I could still feel it in my chest. That's what, that's what really got me about it, you know? I was like, yeah, that was freaky. But the thing was, is that right at the end of the howl, it went it went way up, and then as it was finishing the howl, it made a gorilla sound at the very end. You know, like the gorilla, like the woo woo woo. You know. Oh wow. Yeah. So that was trippy, and it only happened once. I took out my phone and I and I was like shit, fumbling with my phone because I wanted to see if I could record the sound, and I sat there for about twenty minutes. It hit and record, then turning it off, hit and record. It never happened again, and I didn't hear anything else. Hmm. Maybe it just but, wanted to but, wake you up and then take off. Yeah, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. I was like, so to me, that was like, there's just there's just too many things, like little bitty things like that that I've that I experienced while I was out there that just tell me there's tell me convince it, it has me convinced there's definitely something out there. You know, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And then you and then you hear all the stories, and then you had your sighting. I think you said right there off of the Lone Star or somewhere. And the story you told me, I remember, 
I remember asking you, I said, was it black? And your eyes got big and you were like, have you seen it? And I was like, no, I was just wondering like, what color was it? Yeah. But I could tell by your reaction that you saw something that really, really messed with your head. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, what were you, what, what, I mean, I, I guess, did it kind of just, it kind of destroy a bunch of the things that you felt was like real and what's not real about the world or what? Yeah, it changed my whole uh, perception on reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it also and, made me think, right. what, what else is there? Right, because now you start hearing about all these stories like about Dogman and, and all these other things, man, and it's yeah there's there's just there's just so much that we don't know about the world you know there's a lot of stuff that we don't know so i mean i don't like to say i don't like to to close my mind to to any possibilities if if that's one way i can say it i guess you know mm -hmm. i mean i don't want to sit there and be gullible about stuff because you know there's some stuff that's obviously you know silly right um but but then again who knows man because Right, a lot of people would sit there and say that we're crazy for thinking that there's something like that out in the woods. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I don't know, man. So I just, I just like to keep an open mind and, and kind of just, uh, you know, see see what's what's uh, what's possible because you don't know. We don't know any. You know, we don't know everything. We don't. I, I, you know, there's a great there's a great analogy to that. I don't know if you've uh, you've ever been to the islands, Hawaii, or, or anywhere. No. So, so in Hawaii and a lot of the other Polynesian islands, there's 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 a lot of stories of little people, right? And I know there's a correlation. There's a lot of native tribes that talk about little people as well. Mm -hmm. But um, so, like in Hawaii, they call them the Menehune, and and the Hawaii the native Hawaiians talk about the Menehune as as already having been on the island when they arrived. Yeah. So when they first began uh, colonizing the island or you know living on the island they said there was there was these other people that lived there mm -hmm. um and then you know it, it's kind of like the leprechauns of ireland or whatever you know kind of like one of those things i mean there's different takes on it some people say like th there's there's historians that will tell you like menehune was a title for for um native hawaiians that were maybe of lower social hierarchy than the others you know like there was like ranks you know so you had your higher chiefs and your what they call the ali'i right and then the, but, but then there's other people that say no they were actual little people and then um you know it kind of stays that kind of a story where you kind of look at it and you're like well you know that's that's a cool story it's a cool myth or whatever it's interesting to think about but then when was it in the 2000s i don't remember when it was that they discovered the, those uh, little skeletons on that island in Indonesia somewhere. Yeah, I remember and, that. And they discovered a whole new human species that that they say that they called the Hobbit. I guess that was the nickname for it. Yeah. But um, it was a small species of, of human being that was like three or four feet, three and a half to four feet tall. Um, and a lot of scientists were, you know, just at first, their first reaction was, well, it's probably like a, a human, a regular human suffering from like a deformity or like microcephaly or something like that. But then they found more and more skeletons and they all showed the same, you know what I mean? The same characteristics. So, and then when they, when they did, you know, the DNA and the testing or whatnot, they, 
they figured out that no, these were actually a separate species of human, and uh, I, I believe they named them Homo floresiensis. Um, that's it, because they were from the island of Flores, which is there in the Indonesian island group. Mm. Um, but when I heard that, I was like, shoot, well, if that's that was a real thing, that could be where all the stories come from, from like, you know, the Pacific Islands. Um, and I think New Zealand ha had the same, the Maori from New Zealand had the same similar stories. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that, you know, science begins to uncover um, that ties into stuff that we may, we may thought was just stories or myths. And now they're kind of showing like, hey, there's something to that. Yeah. You know? I mean, so who knows, man? they have the same stories in Mexico. You know, they call them duendes. Baby. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Have yeah, I've heard those. Little people. And, and, oh. But you know, but it's, it's it's weird because I've I've heard those stories from like from uh, people from over in Mexico, mm -hmm. and, and it, it's a different vibe for them. Like for them, it's terrifying. Yeah, like, they're like bad omens, right? Mm -hmm. It's something bad. Uh, they have like uh, where you need to leave them uh, food. Or, and, yeah. and milk they need like milk and honey and stuff like that um for them to leave you alone if oh you, so if, you gotta you, yeah you gotta make peace with them by, by paying them off yeah yeah and then uh to do that uh that'll you know they'll be happy and they won't mess with you uh if you don't then you know your keys come up missing and just little stuff they start messing with yeah, you yeah they start messing with you you start yeah that's freaky man that, that's real freaky. and it's funny because the first time i heard about it um i was working at a shop and we had some uh some mexicans that worked there and um i couldn't find my keys and i was starting to get frustrated <laughs> and they kept yelling duende duende and all this and i was like what are y'all talking i knew i knew what it was and i was like what do y'all mean duende and like, oh, you've yeah. been you've been doing some bad stuff or something, and they're messing with you. You made some, you made them mad. Uh, and I was like, what? Because that's you know, how do you explain when you're looking everywhere for your keys, and then you turn around and it, you were just there, and they're they're there sitting. You know. Yeah, that's funny, man. Yeah. And they right away they were they were that's what they started hollering, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was getting uh, reports. Uh, in New Mexico, little people. Oh yeah, 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 um, man. Yeah, because I know New Mexico, uh, a lot of where you have uh, uh, like native tribes or um, and on uh, on native land, there's yeah, they got a lot of stories like that. So mm -hmm. you know, and and it's a different vibe. I know you go to you go to one of the reservations, right? Is your it was your wife uh, Navajo? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, so you you got to know. A lot of those inside stories, um, um, yeah, because when they're there, I've got I've got friends that are uh, uh, Omaha, uh, up on the Omaha Res in uh, Nebraska. Okay. And um, they 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 have a lot of Sasquatch stories. Um, I think they call them Sitonga, Sitonga, I believe. Right. Um, but yeah, they have a lot of Sasquatch stories, and to them, it, it's it's kind of like it's uh it's just an accepted thing they're like yeah they're here you just respect them and leave them alone you know what i mean yeah i mean they have um, a whole per different perspective than you know what we yeah have now. yeah yeah for them it's not a question of are they real they're like no they're real they're here we just we just let them be yeah. that's, that's how it works 
say that you can't, you're not supposed to talk to them. Yeah, they say, uh. Or communicate with them. They said you're supposed to just leave them alone, not communicate with them. Mm-hmm. That's what my wife is telling me. And that's kind of, uh, has a lot to do with uh, why I've sort of chilled out on uh, going out looking. It's just, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's out of respect for for her beliefs and, and uh, you know, what, mm-hmm. and, you know, it, it all makes sense when you start to see things in a different perspective. I mean, the curiosity is still there. I mean, we do, we still do go camping or whatever, but. Right, but but it's not with the intent of, of like before, where your your intention is to go and and specifically seek it out. We got to meet Bob Gimlin up there, man, and that was really really awesome, man. Yeah, he um, he signed my truck, and it was it was a good time hanging out with him. It was cool, man. It was cool because, um, like I said, I had my son there with me, and um, and and he took. There was a long line of people waiting to talk to him right behind us and when we got up to him he saw my son and started talking to me and, and my son and and he he made it a point to like really you know make time and and talk directly to my son and and nothing about bigfoot nothing about sasquatch he was just talking to a man like a cool like a cool old dude you know what i'm saying yeah and he was talking about you know and back in the rodeo and how he worked on the ranch and my son was asking questions and you know they were just they were just having a chill conversation dude about everything except bigfoot and i and i looked at him and i said hey man no that's cool man let's move on because you got a lot of people he said they've been here all weekend i'll talk to them more here in a little bit you're good (laughs) it was really cool really down to earth man it was really it was really i just i just felt really you know good about you know meeting some because i've met celebrities before and let me tell you man Nine times out of ten, I was disappointed with them. That's why, you know, it's like, don't meet your heroes. You ever heard that? Yes, sir. Because you never know, man. Um, I've got a Dan Aykroyd story that'll make you laugh, man, but he he didn't laugh when it happened. <laughs> well, Dan Aykroyd, was, he's, he was in the uh, paranormal, wasn't he? Like, like in real life i think he did do a show like something like that for a while right and he was like i know he i, I think he's come out on joe rogan and you know i mean i, I don't want to cuss on your show um <laughs> it's all right but, um huh it's good it's all right it's rated r yeah, but i i had the, i had these shirts made years ago and every once in a while i wear one and, it, and it's got it's got dan Aykroyd's face on it and on the bottom it says fuck Aykroyd. that's all it says <laughs> and that's and that's it right so everybody, when people see me wearing that shirt, they're like, what the hell? You know, like, what's, what's the story with this? Like, why is it? So I go to tell them the story. So this was, um, I want to say like 95, 96. I remember it was, the, it was right after the Super Bowl where, where he, he had, they had redone the Blues Brothers movie or like, I think it was like the Blues Brothers 2000 they were doing. Like, oh, okay. Like a, a reboot him and um who was it the belushi brother but the one that was still alive or the one that is still alive oh okay um, not john john was the one that passed away or yeah john Belushi's the one that passed john belushi was the one but you know his brother right the one that was still acting and doing stuff well dan Aykroyd did like a reboot with with him and they did another blues brothers movie it was right after that anyway so that year they had a 
uh, spot on the Super Bowl halftime show that they did, kind of promoting the, the new Blues Brothers movie or whatever. It was right after that that I was working at a restaurant. This was down in downtown San Antonio, right on the Riverwalk. Mm-hmm. And it, it was a little Mexican spot. And I remember it was it was right after our lunch service, maybe about 2.15, 2.30-ish. So I was getting everything prepped up for the dinner service because we had already kind of died down from lunch. Mm-hmm. And I was getting everything prepped up for dinner. And um, the... the <laughs> There was one of the waitresses that was there. There was about two or three girls there, and and uh, none of them spoke English, because um, they. I, you know what? I, I'm I'm lying. Two of them spoke really bad broken English, and one spoke no English. So the one that spoke no English, she she runs back into the kitchen where I'm at, and she's and she's hollering, "Mira, mira, it's Chevy Chase, it's Chevy Chase." <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I looked at her and I'm like, what? And she goes, mira, mira, Chevy Chase. So she grabs me by the arm and she pulls me out into the dining area. And because we're in between service, the, the restaurant is, is empty basically, right? There's just mostly, it's just staff in there. Us in the back and, and the girls in the front. And as she pulls me out, he was walking maybe about 20 feet from me across like if you could see the way the the place is set up, um, there's a bar, kind of like like an island in the middle of the restaurant, right? And it's not a very big restaurant, it's not a big space, but there's this bar that's an island, and we were on one end of it, and he was on the other end of it, coming around. So he was coming right into our line of vision, going uh, to the bathrooms. And she goes, as soon as he got, you know, where we were, you know being able to see each other directly out from behind the bar, the other side of the bar. She goes, Mira Chevy Chase. She says it so loud, you know, I mean, and it's like the restaurant's empty. So it's like, it's really loud. <laughs> so he stops and looks at us and, and I'm like, I, I you know, of course I re- I recognize it's Dan Aykroyd, but my, but my smart ass, this is, now this is me. This is where you can learn something about Maui. So my smart ass is, is I, I, I love I love opportunities to to either make people laugh or to crack a joke or do something that's that, like that's crazy a little outrageous right Amen. So I was like, how many times in in, in my life am I going to get a chance to make Dan Aykroyd laugh right? And and it, it, to me it was like this is such so the perfect setup. She comes out here, she's hollering Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase. And he stops and he looks at us, and she's like, "Me not Chevy Chase." And I say, "That's not Chevy Chase." When I say that, he smiled at me, like right on, bro. And I look and I I go, "That's Bill Murray." <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> I thought that was gonna kill. I thought this dude's gonna laugh and be like, "That's a good one." No, dude, he freaking turned red so fast. And, and like, so clearly got pissed off, right, mm. that she looked at me and goes, in Spanish, she goes, I think you pissed him off. And I was like, I think you're right. And I was like, wow, that was not the reaction I was expecting. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? And he, he, <laughs> he walked into the bathrooms. And so she had a boyfriend 
who one of his hobbies was that he had a hard rock cafe blue jean jacket and he had it signed by all these you know um actors and musicians or whatnot so she had called him as soon as she saw dan Aykroyd come in and says hey i mean yeah hey um she was telling him uh, chevy chase is here so he thought he was on his way down there to get an autograph from chevy chase um so he sh- he shows up and a bunch of the other like some of the other staff they called other staff and they showed up because they're all excited and and i went and stopped them i go look guys i wouldn't bother him because i think it was they said it was him his son and a bodyguard i believe and i told them look i i think i may have screwed it up for you guys but if there is a chance that he's going to turn around and, and want to take a picture or sign an autograph for you guys it would probably be better if you waited and left him alone until he was finished you know what i mean eating and, and doing their stuff so so they did right and left him alone and blah 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 they maybe stayed there you know 30 40 minutes whatever it was finished their meals and whatever then they get up to leave and he starts walking straight out so the guy that's with him like i, I guess the girl said it was his bodyguard he goes up to start paying right and then as he's about to walk out the door, one of the girls kind of goes up to him and taps him on the shoulder, and she says, excuse me, sir. And he looks at her. Well, first he turns and looks at his shoulder where he touched her, where he touched him, rather, and and gave her a look like, like, you know, like, how dare you put your hand on me? And I was like, okay, I get that, but still, you know, whatever. She did it as politely, I guess, as she could. And he looked at her. He didn't say nothing. She goes, we were wondering if you wouldn't mind taking a couple of pictures with us, maybe signing a few things. This fucker turns around. He looks directly at me, right? <laughs> and he goes, you know what? I don't think so. Not today. And then he turned around and walked. But And then, like, everybody looks at me also, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, he's blaming you. Like, so they're kind of blaming me for screwing the whole thing up. You know what I mean? Oh, man. And so, you know, right out of my mouth, I'm like, what a dick. <laughs> and he looks back at me again and shakes his head and walks off. I was like, no, seriously, man. I was just trying to make dude laugh. You know, whatever. What a dick, man. Damn. And, and the, the bodyguard and the son just looked at me, too, and I go, yeah, he's a dick. And I just walked back into the kitchen and finished up what I had to do. <laughs> Yeah, man, and then I—that's—that's—that that's, that was my first—that was my first uh, exposure, or one of the first exposures that I had to meeting people that you admired or looked up to. And then, you know, n- n- rule number one that I learned was don't ever try to make a comedian laugh. They're—they're <laughs> they're not going to find it funny, and they're definitely not going to be entertained by it. <laughs> wow, that's a good story, man. Yeah, man, that was it, it. Was crazy. It was crazy. It was much cooler when I sat down and had breakfast with uh, Machete, Danny Trejo. Oh yeah, me and my uh, cousin met him. Yeah, I I remember. I think right around the time that I met him, I posted a picture on Facebook, and then you posted one of of seeing him somewhere too. And I was like, I said, man, this dude's everywhere, bro. <laughs> He's everywhere. Story goes, when we met him, we 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 were going to some park. Me and my cousin. And uh, I had a low uh, Mercury Marauder. Right. And we pull up, and there's cops there. And they walk, they start walking up to the car. And I'm like, uh, okay. And they go, are you here for, uh, are you looking for Danny Trejo? 
And I go, yes, sir, where's he at? We're supposed to meet him here. You know, just going with the flow. That's the way I've always been. That's how i always been. I mean, you come in. And so he goes, all right, follow me. I go, okay. And he gets in his car, and we start following him. And my cousin's like, what is going on right now? I go, I don't know, but we're about to meet the Danny Trio. <laughs> and so he gets out. He pulls over, and he kind of points us in the direction says, you guys can park here and all this. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> we had VIP parking and everything. Oh, hell and no, so we start. Like me. Yeah, we started walking in. And, and I don't know. I guess we just looked apart, me and my cousin. We were just walking in and. <laughs> And then they're like, uh, yeah, they're over there in that building. And people were just pointing us in a direction. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, we walk up and we meet the stunt doubles. Turns out my cousin and the stunt double went to the same branch of the military. They're different years, though. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so, so he knew dude, huh? Yeah. So they started talking and like best friends. And then, oh, wow. Yeah, so then he starts giving us the lowdown. Oh, they're over there. They're doing a shoot right now. Just go over there or whatever. He's cool. He'll he'll talk to you. So we walk up and, uh, you know, we're kind of walking around. And it, it, was, it was in the woods. It was like in some trails. Yeah, I remember that. And so he goes, um, uh, we start walking and we like started getting lost and we're like, hey, uh, where's Trejo at? I just say like that, like I'm his boy or something. And they just, some guy, <laughs> it was some big old dude, looked like a bad guy, like a big white dude. Like he was like playing a bad guy. Yeah. He just kind of points off in a direction and we start walking over there and we see all these people and cameras and everything. They had this, and I go, hey, where's Trejo here? Oh, there he is. And I just didn't, we walked off for a little while because he was in the middle of it. And then we came back and he was, he was sitting on like some box texting someone. Yeah. And I walk up like kind of behind him off to the side and I go, I thought uh, Machete don't text. And he just kind of looked at me like, and he looked at me like mad, dude. <laughs> Like, I'm busy right now. Or maybe he was having a, a bad moment. He was texting somebody about something. He didn't look happy. And then uh, he, he, he just kind of looked at me and, like, his eyebrow went down. Like, he was trying to look mad. And then, uh. and then uh, I kind of walked off, like, oh, dang. And then my uh, I guess there was, like, some lady. I guess she was in the movie. She was cool. And there was some other guy. And we were just talking. And I said, I think I made uh, Danny mad. He looked kind of mad. I told him, uh, thought Machete don't take. She goes, oh, my God. You know how many times he's heard that? Yeah, for real. Right? <laughs> and I go, oh, yeah, I didn't think of that. And then she goes, just go ask him uh, for a picture. And I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, I walk up to him and go, hey, Danny, uh, can we get a picture real quick, me and my cousin? And he kind of looked up, looked, and he stood up. And he did this real quick smile and put his arms around us real quick and then sat back down and started texting again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, he was, uh, that, that, that was a cool dude, man. Um, yeah, he, he came into one of the restaurants I was working at and, um, and the, the server that was there walked back to me and he says, he says, Hey, look who's at my table. And I peek out the, 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 the door and I was like, Oh, hell no. For real? And he was like, yep. And I was like, damn. I said, let me know when he finishes eating and tell him I'm buying his breakfast. And he said, he said, okay. So he went and blah, blah, blah. And then came back and and uh, after, you know, 20, 30 minutes, whatever, he says, hey, I think he's getting done, man. So you want to go say hi to him? I said, yeah, I'm going to walk out there, man. So I walked out there and walked up to him and looked at him and 
he looked at me. He said, hey, what's up, man? I said, how are you, man? And he said, good. I said, uh, you mind if I sit down? And he's all like, no, go ahead. Sat down. Coolest conversation I, I probably ever had, man, with, with somebody famous. You know what I mean? Yeah, real laid that, back. That dude was so chill, man, and cool. And he was talking about his family. And, you know, I, I had no idea that he was telling me most of his family is, is uh, here in San Antonio. Oh, wow. Um, because his dad, when his, he told me he, when his dad came from Mexico, this is where his dad came to was San Antonio. So he met he met um, his his wife here, you know, all his kids. So all of Danny's like brother or half brothers and sisters, they're half because dad also went out to California to to do work out there, and that's where he met Danny's dad, oh mama, uh, out in Cali, oh, and wow. started a little another family over there, you know. So. He had, he had, his dad had a thing going in Cali, and he had family here. So, all of uh, uh, Danny's cousins and step step siblings and uncles and aunts were all here in San Antonio. So he actually comes to San Antonio a lot to um, to visit with you know with family. And then um, I had no idea that Robert Rodriguez was his cousin. Did you know that? Really? That's what he told me. Now, I don't know if that was, if he meant like they're close, but he said cousin. He said, I said, what are you doing here anyways? And he started telling me all about the family. He says, but really I'm here because I'm, I'm going to go up to Austin and meet with my cousin on a project he's working on. I said, okay, cool. And he goes, he goes, you may know him, but Robert Rodriguez. And I was all like, Robert Rodriguez, the director. And he goes, yeah, that's my cousin, man. I said, seriously? He goes, yeah. I said, wow. <laughs> That's pretty and I cool. Said, that's that's really cool, man. He goes, yeah. So I come down here, man, and he's got projects, and they were talking, you know, whatever. And uh, he says that's where I'm going to next, and then and then he's, you know, just, you know, small talk about just everyday stuff, man. Um, he was that's where I learned he was wearing his uh, Trejo tacos a Trejo tacos cap. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, what is that? And he says, that's my those are my restaurants out in California. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, he said, do you think they would do good here? I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I said, nope. I said, maybe Austin. I said, but not in San Antonio. Probably not even Houston either, man, because there's too many authentic, like, Texas and Mexican, northern Mexico-style restaurants here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think the stuff he was doing is more like Cali, Baja-style. You know what I mean? I said, yeah. that stuff doesn't do well over here. Yeah. Um, not not here because people are like die hard. I mean, die hard about their breakfast tacos. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. Um, and you you go to other states and you and you realize how 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 different that food culture is here because other places don't even know what the heck a breakfast taco is. You know what I mean? Yeah. You go you go to Florida and go to a restaurant over there and say, hey, yeah, you know, you order tacos. They'll come to your table with a with a plate of like crispy shell beef tacos, and you're like, "What?" Yeah, with some <laughs> with mango on it or something. You're like, "Yeah, they don't they don't they have no clue what a breakfast taco is. They yeah. they don't know what it is." So that that's funny, man. Yeah, please get this off my table. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, wow. Yeah, that was that was a cool that was a cool thing, and then. Um, um, one one of the restaurants I, I worked at uh, before I started going full time on the food trucks was um, 
right next to a, a comedy club. So there was a, we used to get a lot of a lot of the famous, uh, you know, the guys that were coming through and doing their performances because there was hotels all around us as well. So they'd be at the hotels, you know, for, for their shows and then for breakfast or lunch, whatever, they'd come into the restaurant. So we we see them a lot. Um, I got to meet Norm Macdonald. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, he was he was really he was really cool. He actually he actually came up to me. Um, I, I wasn't gonna say nothing to him, you know. Somebody was like, "Oh, Norm Macdonald's here," and I was like, "Oh, that's cool, man." Um, I I walked out and kind of looked at him, and he was leaving. He stopped and looked at me, and he starts walking towards me, and I'm like, "What?" And he goes, "Hey, man, did you cook?" And I was like, "I was like, yeah, well, I'm one of them, but I didn't do it all." He's all like. Well, I appreciate it, man. It was really good, and and he tells me, and I love your islands, man. I've been to your islands. I just got back, and I said, well, I've been in San Antonio for a long time, bro. So I I don't really I can't really qualify as an islander right now. I've been I've been on mainland longer than I've been over there, right? <laughs> but but then he he looks over my shoulder, and I look behind me, and everybody in the kitchen and all the service staff is holding up their phones recording him. <laughs> So he looks at me and he goes, "Hey man, I think uh, I think they might want to take some pictures or something." And I was like, "I was like, wow, guys, for real." And he's like, "No, it's cool, man. I'll take pictures." And then so they all start lining up with him. He goes, "Well, hold on, hold on." He looks at me and he goes, "I want to take a picture with this guy first. And I was and I told him, "I said, no, it's cool, man." He's like, "No, nah, man, come on." So I was like, "All right." So I stood in a picture with him, man. And when I got next to him, here's the funniest damn thing. I got next to him, and this dude smelled like weed so freaking bad, <laughs> right? This dude, and I looked at him, because, I mean, I looked at him, and I go, I go, what's that smell, man? <laughs> like, joking with him, right? And and he looks at me, and he goes, I don't know, man, you smell something? I don't smell nothing. And I was like, all right, man. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. And no, but he he was a cool dude too, man. He was pretty cool, man. Nice. That's pretty badass. Yeah, he was cool. And I think uh, who else did we get to meet? We got to meet like a lot of the other comedians. Um, I think Jay Moore. We met um, Damon Damon Wayans the Junior. Mm, okay. You know him, Damon Wayans Junior. What his da wait, his dad was on Living Color, and then, right? Yeah, so the the Wayans, I think you know the Major Payne. Major Payne was his dad. Yeah. Okay. And he and he looks like, like a like a freaking clone of his dad, man. That's what really tripped me out when I saw him. I was like, damn. And and I go, you look exact. He goes, yeah, I know. I look like my dad. And I go, dude, it's freaky. That's crazy. <laughs> and then. I remember telling them, I said, you know what you need to do, man? I said, you need to do a, either a reboot or a remake of Major Paint because you look so much like him. You know what I mean? That would be that would be a, a funny movie, bro. Um, I don't know. You remember Major Paint? Oh, yeah. That played that, that drill instructor or something that he goes to that yeah. school to, to train the kids. Yeah, we watched that one. We were laughing. Then I get into the mode where I talked like him for about a week. <laughs> Do my last. So you're not, you're not allowed to watch it. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I get into character for a while. <laughs> uh, 
funny. That's kind of like my wife, man. She, you, you ever get that where you're watching a movie again and and and, and your uh, lady comes in and she's like, "You're watching this again?" <laughs> yeah, a lot of times she'll watch it with me. Yeah, yeah. My wife like uh, my wife's not a big TV or movie watcher. I mean, she will. She likes going to the movies, but. Yeah, she'll she'll if she walks in and I'm watching uh, Blood In Blood Out again, she'll be like, "Oh hell no, dude!" <laughs> he can laugh like Major Payne. <laughs> Something like that. I gotta watch it again. That was it's really... such a it's such a great movie, you know. It is. It motivated me. I like the little the, the story about the little engine that could. Exactly. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was blood and guts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. There's, there's 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 a lot of comedy gold in in those little scenes that a lot of people don't remember. You know. It's yeah, a- yeah, yeah. I remember the first time that I met you. Like, at, I mean, I'm talking about the very first meeting. You were sitting outside in front of the Jefferson uh, Conference place where they were, where the building where they were holding the conference. Yeah. And, and you were sitting out there, and me and my son walked up. And we were like, "Is this the place where the where the Bigfoot conference is?" Because I really didn't see any anything indicating. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and you looked at me and you go, "No, nah, this ain't the place, man." <laughs> and I was like, oh, "I was like, oh shit!" Okay, so I looked at my son. I said, "I said, I guess we're at the wrong place." And then you started laughing. You go, "No, nah, man, it's the place." And I was like, "I like this dude already." <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a total stranger. I go, "That's that's." That's my that's my thing all day. Oh my god! Don't let don't let me lose that Walmart. <laughs> that's what it's about, man. That's what it's about, dude. I, I tell people, man, life life is too short, man, and and there's there's too much to to do and and too many things to experience to to walk around and be angry or salty about stuff. You know what I mean? So you gotta. You got to be out there like that, man. You got to do. You got to do that kind of thing. You got to put yourself out there because, you know, you never know who you're having a conversation with and what kind of doors you can open for them or vice versa. You amen. Know? Uh, amen. That's that's the truth right there. You know, my mom. You, you mom always. And, and you know what? This brings me back to the when I met Danny Trejo. One of the last things I asked him, I said, "Let me ask you a question before before I let you go, man." I said, what is one thing in your life that you've learned, that you've seen, that you really kept with you and, and, and held close to you because it's something that you understand is, is kind of like a fundamental um, thing that you needed to include in your everyday, you know, like your perspective or your mind. And he said, he said that's, that's the best question anybody's ever asked me. He said, look. What I've learned, he said, is that always, always help others. Always help others. When you have a chance to or it's in your uh, power, help other people. And he said, and I'll tell you why. He said, because everything good that's ever happened to me was a result directly of me helping somebody else. He goes, and every time I, I, I went out of my way or helped somebody to, you know, in, in whatever capacity, a door opened up that just I didn't even know was there. Wow. And and it's crazy because you know, from that time I kind of I was kind of doing that, but I wasn't I guess as as focused on that part, right? 
as I, as I as I could have been, but I remember after that starting to implement that in my life more and more, and it's crazy how how it's true. You know what I mean? It's crazy how true what he said is because immediately you see, you know, just like like what you did, man. You just walk up to somebody and have a conversation, smile at them, and just start a conversation. You you have no idea what that person may be going through. You know what I mean? I mean, on the outside, everything may look like, you know, it is what it is, but, and then you start, you know, you start a conversation and you find out all these things. You find out who this person is and, and then, you know, you, you connect on some level and, and you know what I mean? You connect on a level and then at the same time, I mean, that's, that's something that, that some people might, might not, might be needing and not getting, you know? somebody to to try and reach out and connect with them on some level if you were gonna leave this world tomorrow what would be the advice or anything you would leave what what advice would i leave to people yeah what advice would i leave i would say i, I would say the same thing that we just talked about man Never close yourself off from other people because you you never know what what doors can open up. Um, you know, life's too short to be to be bitter and salty about things. You know, bad things happen to everybody, man. That's something that we that we're. It, it doesn't matter how successful you are, rich people, poor people, and everyone in between, man. We all are dealing with our own struggles, you know, on, on a daily basis, but. At the end of the, at the end of the day, you know we're all kind of headed to the same place. You know what I mean? We we all have our journey, and and you know along the way, I think if there's a lesson to be learned, it's it's um, respect respect everyone else's journey, respect your journey, and remember that we're all sharing it kind of together. You know we get we get we get bumps and and bruises along the way, but at the end of the day, man, we all we're, we're all in the same boat. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Right. Find your food trucks or whatever, whatever you want to put out there to, to get to you. Let's do that. Okay. So probably the easiest way to, to get a hold of me is, is through social media. Find me on Facebook. And I want to say that the Facebook is also connected to the Instagram. So if you look up Maui Mike's Surf and Turf, S-A-T-X, on Facebook, you'll find me. Now, there's another Maui Mike's in Oahu. There's two There's two Maui Mike's on Oahu, but that's that's a story for another show. I'll, I'll give you that one. <laughs> but for right now, th yeah, there's a Maui Mike in Oahu. That's not us. Don't don't contact them. Don't message them. They, they will not be happy. So you got to find the one that's in SATX, which is me, and our logo is uh, teal and kind of red, and it says Maui Mike's burgers and fries or it'll say surf and turf on it as well yeah y'all should check that out he posts food and man i just be licking my phone everybody be looking at me crazy stop doing that man but man i hope one day i can get to the food truck and get some of that food we gotta get you out here man whenever you have a chance to visit man well i'll hook you up Woohoo! you hear that babe we're gonna get some food Oh, she's not even here. She walked off. Um, but yeah, when she hears the show, she'll be like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Right on, big dog, man. I look forward to it, brother. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on, and I hope you have a great week and keep doing what you're doing. Don't stop. Appreciate it, brother. You too, man. Same to you. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Later, sir. Bye.